We want to ask you to really be opening up your hearts, be thinking about the things that you hear. At the end, there's going to be um, Q&A, uh, not a test, but if you have any questions, you might want to jot them down. There's going to be an opportunity to answer them. So look, I want to give us a little bit of a focus this morning before I introduce uh, Bronson and Dawn to you. I'll share, um, I want to pick up on the thought that I shared last week, um, which our message last week, our whole theme when Anna Paulina was here with us is, is freedom. Why is it worth fighting for? Why should it matter to the church? Well, 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Did you mute those other mics? We got a lot of echo bouncing. Let's just turn this down a little bit so I, I get excited and make up the difference. <laughs> so fight the good fight of faith. And as a result, take hold of that eternal life that Jesus laid his life down to give to you and I. Fighting. Fighting is a theme that's embedded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the scripture says, the weapons of our warfare. That's how God thinks about our relationship with the, with the world around us. We're ambassadors of Christ in a hostile land. And um, we may not want to go out and see ourselves as, as um, in conflict and in combat with people, although that happens from time to time, but we are in conflict with ideas that Satan sows into the world, into the earth. And the Holy Spirit had Paul put this in the scriptures to let us know that without fight, faith is simply wishing. He said the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds, casting down, and he describes the strongholds, evil imaginations, and every high thing that opposes the knowledge of God. So we're not just stewards whose responsibility it is to go out and let the testimony of our light shine and be passive about it. But we are to engage in conflict with the very satanic and demonic ideals that are set up to tear down the word of God that we are supposed to be attesting and witnessing to. So God says that our fight is directly against satanic lies and deceptions that form strongholds against the gospel. Have you ever thought that as a witness for Jesus Christ that your job is, is more than just going out and being nice? And I know that that's probably the extent of most Christians think if I'm just nice, the world will come to Jesus. If I'm just nice, People are going to see my testimony, and they're going to be bowled over. But why hasn't that happened? Why doesn't it happen? Because there's a spiritual conflict, and there are battles. And those people are held within a prison called a stronghold. Those are prisons of ideas, prisons of thoughts that Satan has their mind bind, uh, blinded by. And they may like the fact that you're nice. You may impress them that you're a kind person. Your testimony in that regard may have something. But they're not going to come out of their prison until you engage the shackles and the yokes that hold them in captivity. And so without fighting, without fa uh, faith without fighting is what? It's wishing. It's wishing. The communist revolutionary first president of the uh, Soviet Socialist Republic, Vladimir Lenin, said this, quote, Give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. 
How many of you know that is absolutely the strategy of the Communist Manifesto? And really, what is communism? It is humanism, the antithesis of faith in God, humanism refined to a political ideology designed to control and force people into an antichrist world and place them, put them as a gift under Satan, who said, I will exalt my throne. This is absolutely our battle. This is our conflict. No nation has ever lost two generations in a row and survived. And we've already lost one. Like the ancient Israelites, if you've read through the Old Testament, you know that in their times of backsliding, they sacrificed their children to demon gods. And while that seems repugnant probably to most people in our uh, elevated and enlightened culture. The reality is, is that millions of households across America are doing just that. Every time they send little Johnny and Susie off to get the bus or off to school and leave the responsibility, trusting the government, trusting culture, trusting the, the society, and send them off to school and expect that they're simply going to reinforce what they're learning at home and add the academics to that. And then we wonder why they come back enemies, not only of the gospel, but enemies of their parents and of their grandparents, of the country that gave them freedom, and of the gospel that offers them eternal life. By not resisting, as I had said, and sending our children into these systems without challenging them, we are sending them into a system of recruitment, into wokeness, into transgenderism, into Marxism, into racist ideologies in our education system today. This is not the 1950s or 60s anymore. Those days aren't even in the rearview mirror, except in your memory if you're as old as I am. Proverbs 25 and 26 says, If the godly give in to the wicked, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. And the church is a fountain, the church is a spring. But the church, the waters that ought to be clear and filled with the life and power of God are murky. They're muddy. It's why we are not having the impact as much as we ought to be having. I thank God that there is a movement going on and that God is stirring pastors and stirring people and stirring Christians. But I'll tell you, we have some catching up to do this morning. You are called to be the salt of the earth. That is God's calling and your responsibility. As the ambassador of Christ, I'm here to tell you, you are at an Esther moment. For those that have read the book of Esther, you know what Esther's all about. This is your Esther moment, Christian. What are you going to do about it? That is what these services are about. And that's what this morning is all about. We are really excited about um, having Bronson O. And hallelujah. I'd rather just go O and use the crutch that mess up the name. And Dawn Peters, both of them, I'm going to let them introduce themselves in a moment, have come today, taken time to be with us and
to share with us. They are both candidates running for Pinellas County School Board District 2 and District 3 for at-large seats. So very key and important positions. They are going right into the heart of the battle for our children through the education system. The first person that I want to introduce to you is Bronson. And Bronson is a Florida native. Let's hear it for Florida natives. My wife was born, raised in Clearwater here, so we like natives here. Graduated the public school system here in Florida. He's a caring husband, has four adult children and one grandson. Bronson has a history of proven leadership and advocacy for children and it includes things like serving in various roles in Pinellas schools, including PTA president, captain of the all-pro dad team. All-pro dad team. That's impressive. How many, of you, how many of you dads would like to be on that team? We need some dads on that team, praise the Lord. While his children were in elementary school serving in those capacities, seven years he served in the city of Largo on the finance advisory board, three of those as the chairman, one of those as the vice chairman. He served as an outpost commander of the Royal Ranger Boys Program. Anybody from the Assemblies of God, you know the Royal Rangers, one of the best, best youth programs in the country. And um, so he served as an outpost commander. So am I going to have to, like, crisp salute or anything? Um, and in the children's ministry at Abundant Life Ministries in Largo, a great friend of our church. He's currently employed as the clinical research operations manager for a busy ophthalmology practice. So I may need to come and stop by your practice and straighten out my contact lens situation. All these situations have enabled him to develop skills uh, in identifying problems and creating processes and solutions to overcome them. And so he'll be calling on these skills and using them to stand up for students, parents, and teachers to make Pinellas County the best school district in Florida, praise the Lord. And so we are so happy to have Bronson with us this morning, and I'd like you just to welcome him. Praise the Lord right now. Thank you, Pastor Nick, and thank you all for having us here. It's really great uh, to be here today because, well, normally I, I don't do very much uh, speaking on Sunday because, you know, the Lord, you know, give a, you know, you six days you should have to work and, and you're supposed to rest on Sunday. So I get to come here and praise and worship God and get to deliver a message. So thank you guys all for having us here today. Amen. So, you know, we, we have a little bit of, of work to do in front of us. And um, I hope that our time here, um, that we're going to share some of the, the issues and, and some of the things that we're looking at. We're going to kind of lay those out for you. But before we get into that, I'll just share a little bit about you know, why I decided to run for Pinellas County School Board this time right here, right now. I did previously run for Largo City Commission back in 2014, and actually then my slogan was um, vote for Bronson O, the name you should know, because, you know, I really, you know, I understand that people have a hard time with the last name. So I didn't do that this time, um, but that's, that's what I did last time. So I went after that because I really, 
you know, I've been very in, involved in, 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 the, in the community, as, as you heard, and I really feel like God has been calling me to just be a watchman on the wall. We can no longer stand back and just let things happen. We need strong, competent, Christian conservatives that are going to go out and speak the truth. And so, thank you. Amen. Amen. And so I decided to do that in 2014. You know, I wasn't successful, but I, I saw, you know, I see now that God was laying a groundwork for, and that's what he does, doesn't he? He takes our experiences and lays a groundwork for us to be able to do something in the future. So that was a preparation and training for me to come out here and be able to do this and this term when our kids need us so very much. And so back in August of last year, what really made me decide that this was the time that I needed to run was I was in a, a renewal service over at Abundant Life. And, and God spoke to me and said, I need for you to go and reclaim spiritual authority over our children. All right? Amen. Reclaim spiritual Amen. authority over our Amen. children. And because I didn't want to go into politics. Politics is a little dirty. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's, it's, it's kind of messy. But God said, no, I don't want you to go be a politician. I want you to reclaim spiritual authority over our children. And he tasked me with not only going and, and running for this race, but to pray for each and every school in the school district. So that was the first thing that I started to do. I went out and started praying for schools, and I've got about 70% of them done, and my goal will be to pray for every single school before the election. Um, but, of course, then, you know, um, I had to put together – so you know, a, a plan, well, how are we going to go and, and, and attack this? And, and we looked at just the litany of problems that are, that are riddling our education system, and I came up with three that we really needed to focus on. I think it's important that you have to have a focus because if you just go in and everything's a priority, then nothing is really a priority. So you have to have a, a key focus. And of course, we'll handle everything as it comes up, but I wanna focus on parents' rights and parent choice. We need to return transparency to the school system, and we need to reduce the burden in the classroom for the teachers and students. So that's what I wanna try to do. Go out, reclaim spiritual authority, get back a hold of our schools, and get some people in office that have competence and the character of Christ. So I hope to share more with you about what we're facing uh, as we talk more. Thank you. I'd like to introduce to you Dawn Peters. Dawn is a Pinellas County School Board candidate running for District 3 seat at large, a mother of two, longtime advocate of children. And it's our pleasure to welcome her here this morning. I didn't send Nick as long of a bio as uh, Bronson did, so I'm going to, you get to hear it from me. So um, I am a Florida native that uh, I was born in Miami, and I've been in Pinellas County since 1996. Both of my daughters have attended Pinellas County schools from kindergarten all the way through graduation. And I wanted, I want to, we're going to talk about some key things that we're going to be tackling in our school system, but I want to say there are a lot of amazing beautiful people that work for our school system that do educate and have our children's best interests in mind. My daughters had wonderful experiences and I just, I want to make sure we highlight that because we talk a lot about the negativity and there's a lot of beautiful, and because of these people, we're going to be able to do this. 
So I have a background in property management with a Fortune 500 company that managed apartment communities. And there's a lot of diversity with that job. You're, you're dealing with people. You're dealing with um, people in their homes, actually. And you, um, you, know, you manage your employees. You manage contractors. You manage budgets. Budgets, that's a big one. I'm not going to get into that much right now. But um, there's a lot of diversity in that. I did that for 15 years. And then um, after the birth of my first daughter, I retired from my career to stay home and take care of my children. When my children started going to school, I wanted to be as active as I could as a parent. That was my responsibility as a parent to know what was going on in their education. So I became a certified preschool teacher. Then when they started public school, I, uh, I was on the PTA, a PTA officer for years. I was that volunteer. I was that parent. Everybody at all four of my children's schools knew who Mrs. Peters was. I was there to help my teachers, the administration. I was there to help other children. I became a certified mentor to our young people in the community. And um, it's really important. We really need more involvement with our young people from uh, other people in our community. And that's something we'll talk about later. Um, but through the years of, of volunteering and being involved in 2020, when they locked our schools down and our children had to remote learn, we got a bird's eye view into what our kids were actually learning, how they were being taught, what they were being taught, and how they were being indoctrinated. Pastor Nick, I want to thank you for being able to speak very openly in this environment. He encouraged us to do so. So I, I just, I think that is so wonderful in this environment. I, after seeing what we saw, and then our children went back to school, and they were allowed to either go back to school with a mask on all day long, or they could sit at home in isolation and learn in isolation. My daughters opted to, when they could, actually be in school even though they were masked because they wanted the socialization, which was very important. So they opted for that. But parents were not allowed to be in our schools for one year. We were not allowed to be in our children's schools for one year. They have been trying, the, the, the government, let's just call it, our government education system has been systematically trying to remove parents from the school system since its inception in 1979, OK? So they've, they've been doing it slowly and methodically. And they proved for one year they could keep us out. And they did. <clears throat> so I went to a couple school board meetings. I wanted them to, of course, reinstate parental rights and unmask our children. If you want to mask your children, fine. If you don't, we have that right. Uh, no forced vaccinations. You know, there were a lot of things that we were becoming aware Transparency in curriculum, transparency in, in, in a lot of things with our schools. But I, as I'm speaking at the school board meetings, you don't feel like you're being heard. You're just a number. They're tolerating your existence. And so I thought, well, I can sit and complain about it, or I can do something about it. For two months, I argued with God. He told me, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You need to go run for the school board position. He kept putting people in front of me. That told me, you need to run for the school board position. And I just thought there had to be somebody better. And for two months... We, we went back and forth. And then when I finally surrendered and said, OK, I'm going to do this, I surrendered. And there is a tremendous peace. It has not been peaceful every day since. But this, this is an uphill battle. We were chosen for whatever reason to do this particular part of this fight. We are going to ask for your help at the end of this. We are unfortunately going to talk about some uncomfortable issues along the way. But there is a light at the end of this tunnel. We're all awake. We all see what's happening now. And we're all here to do our part. So thank you for being here, allowing us to speak. And then I think we're passing off to Bronson now or, or to Nick. OK.
What we're going to do this morning is we're going to take four issues <clears throat> that, um, that Bronson and, and um, Dawn believe and we believe, I believe, are critical issues facing our education system across this country, but also right here in Pinellas County. And those four issues are, and Dawn just mentioned it, parental rights. How many of you have gotten the sense or maybe heard it said, maybe in public discourse, that the state is trying to insert itself between the claim, traditional claim of parents and their right to raise their children as they see fit and their education process. And that the new idea, that new stronghold that needs to be torn down is that parents don't have the right over their children. The state does. The, the professionals know better than you do, mom and dad. So at any rate, that's parental rights. We're also going to talk about critical race theory, CRT. We're going to talk about the sexualization of our children. And this morning we're going to talk about why should this matter to the church? Why drag it in here? And the obvious, we'll get into it, is that, um, that they have invaded our environment. They have invaded our rights. And so we have no alternative but to deal with these issues. And um, really, as Dawn said, it's a joy because there is a light at the end of the tunnel. If we fight like God told Joshua, every place the sole of our foot treads, God will give us the land. Parental rights, praise the Lord. Donna, I'm going to have you come back up and talk a little bit about it, and then you can turn it over to Bronson. Thank you, Pastor Nick. I, I shouldn't even have to be talking about parental rights. Who knows how better to educate and take care of our children than us? Parents, grandparents, family members. The household environment they live in. It's it. It should stop there. They go to school to learn academics, reading, writing, arithmetic, real history. Got, you know, someday, hopefully, even biblical history. That would be lovely to reinstate that. But it should just stop there. Very simple, parental rights. We have the right for our children to learn academics at school, ideology at home. Um, you know, they... Just a couple of really simple topics in, um, in parental rights. We have the right to know everything they are teaching our children. Everything. Curriculum, now, thank God we have a wonderful governor who has put amazing laws into effect. He shouldn't have to. These laws shouldn't have to be written. It's, it's really absurd. But he had to write um, some laws that uh, there's going to be um, a law that states you have to uh, post all of your curriculum online so that everybody can see the curriculum that is being taught. But in the classroom, unfortunately, and, and Bronson will go over this later, CRT is not necessarily in the book. It's being taught by the teachers. And the teachers are being taught how to teach this as well as a lot of other things. So it's their ideology is being put into what they're teaching. And unacceptable. Uh, medical information and the well-being of our children. Again, there's a law now on the books that contradicts this. Bronson, our first job on that school board is going to be to ensure that every person in all 162 of our Pinellas County schools is following the law. That's going to be a big job. And guess what? We're the first round of people across the nation to do this. 
We get to be the trailblazers that do this. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we're getting into. But our children, you know, if my daughter gets a paper cut, I need to know about it. If my daughter is feeling uncomfortable in her environment and goes and talks to her guidance counselor, I need to know about it. And up to now, our guidance counselors and our, our school nurses are allowed to get this information from our children and not only not tell us about it, but also keep it from us. And that has been happening, not just in the state of Florida, but in Pinellas County. And by the way, we will not talk about anything we have not seen for ourselves happening in Pinellas County schools, which was mortifying for us to learn. Um, and then, you know, let's talk about, we, we have, of course, I appreciate the safety of our schools and I appreciate how we have to get into our schools. As a parent, I have to knock on a door, get buzzed in, show an ID, fill out a little piece of paper that says why I'm there. And I have to have pre-approval to be there. Who are you seeing? Are you seeing your teacher? Did your teacher say it was okay for you to come today? Excuse me? You are, I'm paying for this building and my child is in this building. Both reasons I should be able to be here. Now that I'm approved to be here, we know that I, I'm safe because, again, we, we do support safety. I should be there, and I should be able to go into my child's classroom at any time, as long as I'm not disrupting, you know, what's the, the lessons that are being taught at any time without warning. So to me, it's very simple. Transparency in curriculum, medical and well-being transparency, and, um, and access to our children in our public classrooms whenever we see fit. All right. So, Thank you, Don. Don did a really great job of talking about parental rights, and I don't really have to add too much uh, to that. I just want to reiterate that something that she said, that these things have been going on right here in Pinellas County Schools. So we hear a lot sometimes, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not happening here. It's happening in other places. No, that's wrong. It's happening right here in Pinellas County, and Dawn is right. You know, we're, we're lucky that we don't have to go and, and, and stop these things, but we do have to be a, hold the school board and the administration. A lot of this happens within the administration of the schools, so your, your upper-level administration, some of your school administrators, principals, they are allowing these things to go through. And so we have to hold them accountable and have accountability policies where if these things are happening, there's going to be consequences, and we have to really root all that out. Amen. Amen. Ronson, thank you. Yeah, good. Don't run off. We're going to bring up the subject, CRT, critical race theory. <clears throat> Listen. Jesus made an absolute fundamental principle out of forgiveness. He said, if you don't forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Any society that ever hopes for peace and prosperity has to get beyond offense. You cannot live offended. You cannot withhold forgiveness. You cannot hold sin over a society's head and expect there to be anything but degradation and collapse. Critical race theory is simply going back into the mistakes that were made in America with regard to race, bringing them into the current conversation of our, uh, right now we're talking about the school system, and bringing us back into a place of unforgiveness. To simply say, that we as a nation are guilty, 
that we are practicing racial discrimination and we are all guilty of racial discrimination to elevate one people group over another or one race over another and make one inferior, one uh, superior, make one bow to another is gendering strife. And the Bible says God hates seven things he hates, but the most of all, he hates those that engender strife. Critical race theory is simply taking the sensitive, delicate issue of racial prejudice and sending it into our culture as an accusation. You have no right to say, I'm not a racist. You are because we say you are a racist. That's critical race theory. Critical race theory says that racism is baked in and embedded into the American Constitution and into the American history. It's inescapable. And so that is a lie that's there to keep us in silence and to intimidate us, just so that you know. <clears throat> hope I didn't take anything away from what Bronson was going to say, but I figured I'd set this topic up. Bronson, tell us what's going on. All right. That was a very good introduction. And um, I, like, I like the point you made about forgiveness, because, I mean, I have a lot of reasons why I don't like uh, uh, CRT, um, but that, that's, that's another good reason, because we are called to forgive. And so, uh, you know, if we make mistakes and we come and we admit those mistakes, you know, Jesus cleanses us from them. And that's actually one of the points uh, that I'll come back to um, about why, is a, why as a Christian, uh, we should be against CRT. So does everyone know kind of, you know wh how how CRT has uh, come about and 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 where where its roots come from. Let me just I'll give a real simple real simple uh, you know introduction about where CRT comes from and and what the roots are of it. So CRT critical race theory is actually a Marxist theory. All right, and who knows that the enemy wants to divide us, right? All right, the enemy wants to divide us. So the enemy is going to try to do whatever it can to divide us, and if it tries something uh, and it doesn't work, one of the tactics is to dress it up as something different and reintroduce it. And sometimes, you know, people fool, oh, well, that's something different. So CRT, critical race theory, is a Marxist theory that was intended to divide. Back in the 19th century, uh, they had this, uh, they wanted to create a uh, division between the workers and the people who were uh, funding the workers. They called them uh, proletariat and bourgeoisie. And so they wanted to create a revolt um, in, in order to break up essentially freedom, to stop the expanse of freedom. They wanted to break that up, so they uh, created this uh, idea. Uh, but it didn't work. You know, Here in America, it didn't work because here, even the working class fares way better because of free economic principles. So it wasn't successful. And they tried, you know, they just, they tried a couple different things. And they have taken that topic now, well, if we can't divide them by uh, socioeconomic status, well, let's try to divide them by race. And so they have taken uh, uh, these ideas and, and, and changed them over time. And now they've created critical race theory, which Pastor Nick really explained to it, well, you know, how it, how it separates us by race. And so as a Christian, you know, we should have, you know, several problems, but I'll, I'll give you two very significant problems. One, this is a, a process of division. 
And Jesus is not a God of division, right? He, um, he's a, tar- a unifier, right? Love one another. You know, all these one another, one another. Jesus is constantly telling us we need to be together. We need to be together and we need to be unified. And critical race theory does the exact opposite of that. And the other thing that, um, that Christians should be concerned with is the idea that you can't be forgiven, that you are just deemed unworthy because of your skin color, right? So I serve a God that is, is higher than that, that will, will save us. There, you know, racism or something like that cannot hold um, me back because Jesus has forgiven us. And so if you believe in, in critical race theory, you're believing that, well, Jesus can't redeem you because of the color of your skin. So totally, we need, to, we need to accept that for what it is, and we need to talk about it like that. Um, thank you. So the other thing that I would um, want to uh, share with you about um, you know, critical race theory is, again, you know, you know, very, very divisive. But the, the, the proponents of it have gotten smart about it. And so they no longer will call it critical race theory well, because they can't. So now we have legislation that says, well, you can't teach critical race theory in our schools. But they are using other, other types of curriculum, calling it other names. And Don and I are going to have to look for these kind of things and bring light to it. You know, the 1619 Project is a real big thing. And you know what? There are teachers in Pinellas County Schools that are using the 1619 Project as part of their American history. No more do they believe that our country was founded on biblical principles um, and that we were, you know, that, that we created a country based on freedom. No, you know, back in 1619, that's when the first slaves come over, and that is the basis of our country. And everything, all of our institutions and everything in our country um, are because of, 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 of slavery and, and, and racism. And so it's just not true. We have to make sure that we're teaching real, true accurate American history that does talk about how our founding fathers were Christians and that they built a country and, and they developed a constitution where we could freely exercise our religion, but it was still based on, on biblical principles. So we have to be careful to, to root out all those other things. 1619 Project, culturally relevant teaching. There's a lot of different things out there. We have to be careful and uh, watch out for those. Thank you. Bronson did a great job. I don't even know if I can add to that, and that's a big statement for me. Um, but are we not, is it not a sin to feel guilty? Yes. It is, right? So this whole premise is built on the fact that we are supposed to be guilty, and that another class is supposed to be less than somebody else. It, it's, it's completely insane. <laughs> it's just completely insane. So I really don't have anything to add to the critical race theory. Both Pastor Nick and Bronson did an amazing job. So... Thank you for that. So I'm going to turn this back over to Dawn in a moment. Um, I just want to say this about critical race theory. Picture in your mind your child or your grandchild, if you have grandchildren living at home, coming home one day and there's just a black cloud hanging over their head. And, they, and you start asking them, what's wrong? What's going on? Well, I learned in school today that I'm evil, that I'm a horrible person. Why are you a horrible person? Because you're white. Imagine several uh, decades ago, people coming home and saying, well, I was taught in school today that I'm evil because I'm black. 
And so we're, we deal with these sins, but it's simply a pendulum swinging back and forth. We're supposed to be moving forward, particularly under the blood of Christ. We're supposed to be moving forward where we are equal citizens under the Constitution of the United States. This is antithetical, not just to the gospel, but to the American Constitution. We can't have a country with things like critical race theory teaching us that one class is inferior and subject to another. So I want to move on to the third part. I'm going to turn this back over to Dawn, the sexualization of our children in our public schools. <laughs> this is, of course, the most difficult topic to discuss. Um, and not just because it's an uncomfortable topic. It is. It's also very personal for me. I have two daughters, and my oldest is, uh, both of my daughters, uh, they were dual enrolled. So they ended up um, going to college two years earlier than everybody else. They were learning their high school credits and their college credits. Thank, again, a wonderful program. Thank God we have that in Pinellas County, Pinellas County Schools. Um, when my youngest was in seventh grade, when she was in middle school, she was my sunshine. She was always happy and joyful and just this, always just this ray of sunshine. Everybody just, teachers, ugh, teachers just loved having this little ray of sunshine. Everybody just, she was ugh, wonderful. Middle school, and, and I've heard other parents talk about this too, and this is when it kind of came, we started realizing there was something bigger going on than what we were seeing. Uh, in seventh grade, um, she started getting more distant and, and darker and, and less feminine and, and really just, it, she just started really changing. And I finally got her to break down and talk to me about what was going on, which is really tough when they're in seventh grade, getting them to actually tell you what's really happening. Um, she was not comfortable with her femininity and she was not comfortable with her, her gender identity as a woman. We see a lot of people dress as tomboys. That's that's not uncommon. That's great. You you do you. You you if that's how you're comfortable dressing. I have a sister that was such a tomboy. It was it, she put my brother to shame. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you being uncomfortable with your your physical attributes as a woman and the fact that you are a feminine person, the greatest gift that we can do is if give is give life, right? So where is this coming from? It didn't come from me. It didn't come from your father. It didn't come from any of the women in your family. I finally learned that she's attending this club that's being held at lunch time, hosted by a teacher that's for the LGBTQ plus community. I didn't, by the way, this is before we knew what was, what was happening. We didn't know what plus meant. I didn't know what Q meant, let alone plus. She started to tell me some of the things that they were learning. Oh, well, first I asked her, why are you going? Are you, do you feel like you're gay? Which is fine. I, no, I'm there to support my friends that are LGBTQ+. Okay, so what is it that you're supporting them with? What are they teaching? They are talking about um, <laughs> girls don't feel like being girls. Boys don't feel like being boys. Um, they're learning. Um, they're, they have an open forum to discuss these things, and they have a way to just talk about it openly amongst each other in a safe space. Um, so this, this goes on for several months and 
I think, oh my, thank God that seventh grade is almost over and this club will be over. That's, that's all I could think about at the time. I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to communicate with her. I spent weeks, even months trying to research what these things meant. What is non-binary? What, what are, I'm not going to say all the things that they, that they bring out, but what do these things mean? What is, what is the Q plus? I don't know what all that is. So, so I tried to learn what all these things meant so I could talk to my daughter and communicate with her in this language that I don't understand. And she would converse a little bit, but not much. No matter how much I learned, we were never on the same playing field. Eighth grade starts, still in middle school. Oh, summer comes. She lightens up a little bit. She starts getting better. She's back in her family environment with her, her friends. She starts to lighten up. And then eighth grade starts, and they start health class in eighth grade. I was not given any indication of what was going to be talked about so that I could opt out of this class. Let me tell you just a little bit. <laughs> about what I later find out she learns in this health class. She learns that they teach our, our children, oh, by the way, all the genders are in the same room. They are not dividing our children to have these conversations. And by the way, I'll be here after if somebody wants more descriptive information, I'll be happy to talk about that one-on-one. -on -one. They are teaching children, boys, how to do things with boys, girls, how to do things with girls, girls and boys, how to do things with each other, they are giving them resources such as books, which are pornographic, and they are resources found in the school libraries, in our public libraries, and our teachers just have them to give them. They are given resources that are available online that are funded by our health, our health services, which I noticed right across the street. Um, so our state and county health services, they are supplying them with video links, and one of which has an adult person live telling them how to do these things with each other and things by yourself. They teach our children about birth control. They teach our children that the type of birth control that was just overturned in our Supreme Court for Roe versus Wade is a healthy form of birth control and it is a woman's right to utilize this type of birth control. Those are just a few of the things that they're discussing. If you do not feel comfortable with your identity, you can go to your guidance counselor and talk to your guidance counselor. And your guidance counselor can give you a letter that can help you start to change your gender with free drugs supplied to you through Planned Parenthood. And you do not need your parents' permission. By the way, there is a law now that states that this falls under the medical freedom and transparency, but we're still going to have to fight to get this out because it is embedded. This is real. It is happening, and it's been happening for years. And I cannot tell you the amount of guilt I felt as a parent when I realized this is what was wrong with my daughter, and this was happening at school, and I did not know about it, and I, had, I didn't know what it meant, and I had no control over it because it was already done. It was already done. I won't talk about everything that has happened with my daughter. She is now a very successful girl student at college, and she has brightened up a lot, thank God. But she is indoctrinated. She is indoctrinated. And I have had to, through prayer and time, I have had to prepare myself, even as of yesterday, having conversations with her that are the most difficult conversations I have ever had in my life. But if I can't have these conversations with her, understand what she has been taught and how she has been indoctrinated, I can't do this job. I can't be, I cannot do this job responsibly on our school board. 
as a Christian, as a mother, and as a responsible citizen. Why? Why are they doing this? That is the number one question. Very simple. They want to divide us. The more labels they give these children, the more we are divided. We're divided by race, culture, all these different genders that no, they don't make sense. There's two genders. We're men and we're women. That's it. Um, so it's division. They are also gaining their trust. They're gaining their trust. Oh, and by the way, they're telling them all of these things and saying, do not tell your parents or your family. They won't understand. They won't understand. Don't talk to your family. Um, actually, this is a little off script, but I had a, I had a, someone come up to me. I, this happens to me all the time. I'm at an event and this lady comes up to me. She knows who I am. And she says, Dawn, I know you're running for school board and I want you to know this. She knows I'm a, she knows who I am. She knows I'm a Christian and that I don't believe in any of this garbage. She said, I found out today, this was last week. I found out today my grandson went for his physical and he was asked by the doctor. Oh, this young man is 14 years old going for his eighth grade physical for Pinellas County schools. He's a student, he's an athlete, so they had to go get physicals like every summer before um, athletic training starts. He goes to the appointment by himself, and um, the doctor asks him, are you gay? As well as a series of other questions, by himself, as a minor, he's being asked these questions by a medical doctor. The doctor at the end of this says, do not tell your parents we had this conversation. Thank God this child went home and told his parents about this conversation. His grandmother told me, I am, I am finding out what, who, where this child went and who the doctor is. That's something that we are going into. Um, so division, they're gaining their trust to pull them away from their parents and family members to disrupt the nuclear family. Again, Marxism, this all comes back to communism, guys. This is all Marxism 101, communism 101, excuse me. Um, they, they gain their trust so that they can mold their brains and indoctrinate them at the level that they want, and they want to take away the, uh, the nuclear family. They want, to, they want to take away and abolish their belief in the Judeo-Christian values that this country was founded on. So th that's completely unacceptable, but that's what they're doing, and that's one reason why. Another reason is money. Every one person that transgenders... Big Pharma makes $1.3 million. $1.3 million for every one person that transgenders. And if these young people start these transitioning drugs before or during their, their puberty years, they cannot go back. They cannot go back. They are losing their innocence. They are losing their, my God, our children are not children. They're losing their innocence. So it's, it's very simple, though. It's money. It's gaining their trust so that they can mold them and create activists and, and use them to run the country that they want to run and abolish our Judeo-Christian beliefs that this country is founded on and our very, very core of our constitutional belief system. And they're doing it. They are doing it. My own daughter is proof of it. Now, we're, we're winning her back. Her older sister and I are winning her back little by little. Um, but that's it. <sighs> The good news is now we all know it. People are waking up and I can't go to one single social event anymore. I can't go to the gym. I can't go anywhere without people coming up to me and telling me a story. That is a good thing. 
Because people are like, oh my gosh, did you know about, oh my gosh, you know what happened to me? Guess what? Because it's in their home. It's in their backyard. It's happening to their family and their friends and now they know about it. It is happening to somebody that now that you know, you're going to start hearing stories. It's, it's really amazing. But it is inspiring because that means people want to do something. They're encouraged. They want to do something. They're scared. Should be scared. I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared anymore. I quit being scared the day I committed to do this. There are days that I am probably a little lower than other days because it is very disconcerting that they are doing this to our young people. Look at these beautiful people. These beautiful young people. They should be running around and dancing and playing with each other, not worrying about all of this. They should be going to school, learning academics, coming home, and learning from their families the core values of what their families want them to, to believe. And then they can turn 18 and do whatever they want to do. Um, so I, that really concludes the, the sexualization of our children, um, you know, but what can we do? What can we do? Bronson and I are doing what we're supposed to do to help. What can, what can anybody here do to get involved, to help make little changes, big changes, whatever it is that you're supposed to do? We all have our calling and we all have what we're supposed to do. But the days of sitting and quietly praying and having faith that this is going to change, they are over. This is how we got here. That, that, that day is gone. And, you know, we, we, Gideon and his army of 300 of men defeated, was it 140,000 troops? That was because they had faith in God, but were not afraid to stand up and say, we are here, we are ready to physically fight. We are not going to let evil run us over anymore. And we as Christians have to do that. We are the stewards of our children and our communities. And they, they're not. They're not going to run me over. And if I have to do it in heels, I'll do that too. But they're not going to run us over anymore. We are here and we are going to fight with words. And we are going to protect our most vulnerable, which are our young people and our children. Um, how we can get involved? Do you want to come up, Bronson, in case you want to add to this too? Um, but basically, so obviously, we have seven total school board member seats. Four are up for election. Everybody will have at least two on their ballot. Bronson and I will be on everybody's ballot. And um, there are two other seats that are district seats that will be on ballots in other parts of the county. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we're not politicians, but we're doing it. Um, you vote. Encourage other people to vote. Um, talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors. We have brochures, we have signs. Take whatever you want. We have more. Take what you want, talk to your neighbors, but get go out and vote during the primary. August 23rd is the primary. We can win in the primary and not even have to move to November. That just extends the fight. But also committees. There are a lot of committees that um, are, that help go through all the different things within our school system. There's curriculum, there's finance committees, there's, I, don't, I have to say I don't even know what all the committees are. There's a lot. Um, uh, what else? Oh, school board meetings. Go to school board meetings. Listen to school board meetings. They're all online. There's no reason to not to listen to them. It's a little rough sometimes to listen to all of them. Trust us because we do it all, but um, what else? So, so school board meetings is good, but I just want you to be aware that unless you actually go, that's right, 
thank you. <laughs> Unless you actually go to the school board meeting, you'll miss some of it because one of the things that they've done is they've restricted your ability to give open public comment. So um, public general public comment not related to a specific item on the agenda is at the end of the meeting. The meeting's already adjourned. It's not live streamed. The, you won't find the comments in the minutes. So um, if you wanted to send your friend to the you know to the meeting, you were just going to you know catch it online. He speaks at the the meeting. You're not going to you're not going to know about it because it's going to be cut off. So um, let total lack of transparency on on the part of the school board. So if you can go to them, uh, go. Um, if you you know if you get with a group of of people and you know one goes to one we there's uh, usually you know two meetings a month and then you know workshops so you know just put together a plan because you need to stay informed and then after the after the election is over we can't stop right um even even as don and i and 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 hopefully you know some others that support the same values stephanie that we meyer. do stephanie meyer for district six um we need your guys's help to help us find other things to report to us yeah. things that 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 you're finding out you know people are, are telling you um you're the eyes and the ears so you can actually um, um assist with that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah right? we need that right yes so we we skipped one thing though we didn't talk about why all this matters to the church yes. we didn't okay did you you want to say anything you just want me to just real quick sure Keep one, stay right here. Uh, keep one thought in mind. What would have happened if when Satan came to Eve and said, is that really what God meant? And she just said, no, shut up. <laughs> or she said, you're a liar. Jesus said Satan was a liar and a murderer telling lies against the eternal truth of God makes you a killer. That's what Jesus said. He's a murderer, a liar and a murderer. And the whole human race entered into death because they didn't just say no. So when you are confronted and they tell you, well, <clears throat> your child may have been born as a male, but that doesn't mean that's what they stay. You need to just put your finger up and say, that's a lie and be bold enough to just say it. Just say no. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to learn all the term terminology. You can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Just let him know you're not getting past me. The answer is no. That's a lie. That's not true. When they tell you whether there's five genders and they have all these explanations, just tell them no. You're a fool. There's men and there's women. Period. You are what you are born into this world as. Whatever lie you give into to make you dream or think you're something else, that's your problem. But when you stand before God, you'll be what you came into this world as. So that, that whole idea, just simply stand up to the lies and say that's wrong, that's a lie, that's not true. And be bold enough to do it. Do it in love. Be kind about it. But don't back down. Um, why does this matter to the church? Why should Christians care? Some of you have already raised your children. You may have grandchildren. Why does this matter to you as a Christian? The answer to that, I'm going to let them share, but it's embedded in everything they've said so far. All of these things are elements used to destroy our freedom. Mm 
and to take future population and put it under the control of the state. And so why should this matter to you and I? Shouldn't somebody else be dealing with this? Absolutely. That's, that's so, so true. It's such a great point. I, you know, part of running for a public office is you have to go door to door. Right? You have to go and meet the people and talk to people. Not everybody is going to come to you. These type of things are great. Um, these these meetings and, and, and things that we go to are great because the people come to us. It's really helpful. But not everybody is going to come to you. You have to go out and, and, and meet these people and talk to them. And when I do that, I find many, many times, um, especially with people who are 50, 60 and older, I don't have kids in the school board. I mean, I don't have kids in school anymore, so I don't pay attention to what's going on. Because one of my questions, do you have any questions? What do you think about what's going on in your current school board? And they're like, I don't know. I don't pay attention. And I ask, well, do you vote in the school board races? No, I don't even pay attention to them. And that is one of the largest reasons why we're in this spot. We cannot afford to have any Christians who are checked out. Because the reason why this matters is because this is attack on Christianity. This is attack on straight up, you know, Christianity in the church. And so every one of these things is taking, it's, it's the enemy. It's attack from the enemy, taking a lie and replacing it with God's truth. So we talked about parental rights first, right? God says that parents are responsible for the education of their children. Not necessarily churches, but parents. But who forms, you know, uh, churches? Parents and, you know, families, right? Parents, you know, have children. Children, you know, they, they form families. Families form communities, and communities go to church. So by saying, no, it's not your right if you get to decide what's in the curriculum. It's not your right when you get to decide what kind of sensitive topics you're going to talk to your children. That's the government's right. The government is inserting itself, and that's, that's, that's the lie that you're not responsible for it, that the government is for it, and that's wrong with um excuse me critical race theory we talked about that um that's about the lie of um division right that you have to be divided that um the bible tells us there is no race in the kingdom of god all right there is no race we're all we're all the same and so that is an attack on on unity right and togetherness and oneness we talked about that um this last, um, you know, the sensitive, you know, sexualization of our children, um, you know, it's an attack on the family, right? We, t we talked about that. The lie is, is that you can be whatever gender you want. The lie is that, that families don't really matter, right? And it's, and it's just not true. And so we have to, just like Pastor Nick said, we have to combat that with the truth of God. And that's why it matters, because if the church is the last thing standing to the collapse of freedom in this country. It, it really is. Because the enemy knows how our country was founded and why our country was so great, because we were founded on biblical principles. We were founded on these and principles of liberty. And if the enemy can get rid of those, it can have free reign over society. The church is the last thing standing, and every single one of you has to get involved in every possible way that you can. 
I feel like we have stated each with each topic why this matters to the church. I'm going to I'm going to read something that was said at a recent meeting by our new superintendent. Um he basically says, this is our new, we have a brand new superintendent for anybody who doesn't know that um, started here July 1st in, for Pinellas County Schools. Uh, Dr. Grego stepped down and so we have a new superintendent. They went through the process of interviewing superintendents, but it, we feel like it was a formality. I don't know that for a fact, so I probably shouldn't say it out loud. But he made a statement um, that according to research, the most important factor in a child's education is the high-performing teacher. I don't 100% know what the high-performing teacher is, but it's kind of irrelevant. The high-performing teacher. Richard says the parent is important. Socioeconomics is important. Children's principle, child's principle is important. But the most important factor is the high-performing teacher. The leader of our public school system in Pinellas County, that is how he thinks. Our young people, whether you have children in schools or not, this is the future of our country. This is the future of our county, our neighborhoods. They are the future. They are going to be taking care of us when we're older. They're going to be running this country. This should matter to everyone, to everyone. And that's something that you can tell. Say, oh, I don't have kids in school. Guess what? They're going to be running this country. You should care. And it's very simple. A lot of it's very simple. They overcomplicate things to confuse us. So um, I, I don't really have anything else to add. So thank you very much for everybody for hosting us, and we'll be here afterwards. We're going to take a few questions. Um, bear in mind, you don't have to be a Christian or a practicing Christian. The Bible says when God was asked, what's your name? He said, I am that I am. That means the I am gets to say what is. The whole concept of a sane world where there is such a thing as an up and a down, a north and a south, an east and a west, is that an I am exists. And he has created all things. So there is fundamental truth. The opposite of the I am is humanism. And humanism says we collectively are. Well, which one of us is right? That's why collectivism. And that's why... Um, um, multi, what's the term? Diversity. That's why diversity has been elevated to the place of God because if you don't like the answer, this one over here's got an answer. And it means that what everybody thinks in their own mind can be the law of their universe, your truth. And so that's why this should matter to you and I. There is no single institution in America that's going to stand up for reality. This comes down to not the practice of Christianity as a religion. It comes down to a war for reality. Do we want to forfeit our world to the unsane Mad Max world of unreality? And that's what you and I are fighting for. All right, questions and answers. Let's take a few minutes. Does anyone have a question for either of our candidates? Sure. There's actually four separate seats that are up for election on the ballot, right? I'm District 2, and Dawn is District 3. Those are at-large districts, so 
everybody in Pinellas County, every registered voter in Pinellas County can vote for both myself and Don. The other two depend on where you live. Um, if you're down farther to the south of the county, um, then you can maybe vote for Stephanie Meyer, who's in um, District 6. Um, Maria, Maria Solanke is in District 7. So those are the conservative choices. Um, I, I know I know Stephanie well. She's she's definitely a Christian, and I would definitely uh, support her. I don't know Maria as much, um, um, but she is a conservative from from the meetings that we've met her at. She's a conservative choice, definitely the better choice in the south end of the county. Excellent. Anybody else? Question. Yes, sir. Yes, thank you. That's that's a good question, and I think in 2018, all of us were excited that Lisa Kane was running. Okay, because she was a Christian, or excuse me, she is a Christian, and as as far as I know, she's a, a really great person. But she, all these things that we've talked about, she has not stood up against and pushed back and said anything against all of these things that we've talked about. So the parental rights, um, the 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 public comment, um, the Don talked about there is a policy that was put into our schools, the inclusive school support guide that talked about and allowed and laid out for teachers all the things that Don talked about. That has come through all since 2018, and she hasn't stood up. I don't know why, um, but she's not standing up, and we need someone who's going to be bold and courageous to stand up against these things, and I will go and I will do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's time to fight. All there is to it. It's time to fight, period. What, what Terry? I saw the news here just recently. Uh, I can't remember exactly which day it was, but they had implemented the school voucher. Uh, it was Arizona. Are you talking about the voucher system where they can, any student can take the voucher and go to whatever school, it's school choice. Yes, sir. We both support school choice, 100%. And um, that is charter schools, private schools, there are a lot of different options for school choice. There's a voucher system that the, the private schools that are in that program, um, they have to, they have to want to be a part of that program. So if a school doesn't want to be a part of that program, I, I'm sure there's a fight to that. Uh, as far as the charter schools go, um, those are, they're, they're non-religious, sometimes private schools, um, but they also get government funding, whether it's state funding. Um, so they're kind of in between the 100% private school and then the public school system. Both of my daughters went to a charter school for high school, which was a little bit better experience, actually. So we both advocate and support all of those options. Our money should actually follow our child to whatever school they go to. That's, that's, should happen. And that, that hopefully we can have some, we have relationships and have been developing relationships with our legislators and people who are running for, you know, our state and congressional seats here in Florida. And they are going to have to help us make that happen. Would it cover uh, homeschooling? Yes. Yes. Homeschooling. And that's, you know, that's an option for you because right now you can get free homeschooling, but you have to go with the Pinellas County 
curriculum. So you want voucher programs to be able to get the curriculum of your choice. That should also be an option. Thank you for bringing that up. So there are a lot of things we're going to have to work on in that department. And again, that's where citizens can come forward and say, these are things that we want, things that we need. Email us, call us, come to meetings. We want to see people at meetings. We will respond to you in one way or the other. But if the public doesn't speak out about what they want and need, we can't do anything about it. So yes, we support all of those options. Yes. That's, that's a good question. And the only thing that I would add is um, we can only do a certain part of that. We're definitely for 100% uh, school choice. That's really going to be determined by the state. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, but we, we can what we can do is we can we can uh, talk about those things, um, you, know, you know, promote them. But that would really have, you know, state legislature would have to go from kind of the hybrid school choice system that we have to turn it into something like 100 percent school choice that you saw in Arizona. Great. Anybody else? Question. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Penny. <laughs> John was endorsed by Moms for Liberty. Yes, <laughs> I was. Thank you. Um, Bronson and I are both members of Moms for Liberty because they don't just support women are not the only members of Moms for Liberty, by the way. Men are also uh, members of this. Uh, my husband's a member of Moms for Liberty. So Moms for Liberty was founded in Southeast Florida in 2021, actually. Founded Southeast Florida in 2021, now nationwide. They have over 80,000 members nationwide. I can't remember how many charters they have. Every state now has at least one charter. Hawaii finally got their first charter, so now every state has a charter. Um, that's huge. That is people stepping up and saying, this is what we want. Moms for Liberty stands for conservative constitutional values in our schools. That's what we stand for. And Moms for Liberty, by the way, Bronson and I are not just running for school board. We have an army of people behind us, Moms for Liberty, teachers, people who are giving us the inside information, doing the research, doing the hard work, doing all the behind the scenes work to make it possible for us to fight this fight on a daily basis because the information, the, the propaganda, the words, everything changes all the time. So we have to try to be up to speed. And they they do all, to me, the hardest work. They're afraid of speaking in public. I, they, I don't want to send you research all day long. So it's, it's a lovely relationship. Does that answer your question about Moms for Liberty? Yes, thank you. One thing I would just add, sorry, Pastor Nick, real quick. I believe it just came out within the last couple of days. Actually, this uh, Tampa Bay Times actually did a very negative write-up about Moms for Liberty. And so um, I would just, you know, this would be one thing where I could say where you guys could step in. What can you do? When you see stuff like that, um, you can ask questions, and then you can share the truth. So the the overall kind of idea of the article was is because Moms for Liberty has grown so quickly, it must be, it must be you know, dark money from you know super you know ultra right conservatives that are funding it and it's it's not the case what it is it's moms that are fed up with what's going on all this stuff that we're talking about angry mama bears are mad at what's going on and they're getting activated to figure out and we know that when you can get a remnant uh, together who share one same vision that they're they're unstoppable and that's what moms for liberty has done Anybody else have a question? Yes, sir.
So I um, I actually had a meeting with Sheriff Galtieri two weeks ago to discuss this because as a parent, I feel I have seen this firsthand. Anytime there's ever been a situation um, within our nation that happens at a school, our school system, Pinellas County Schools, has actually done a really good job of stepping up and partly because of Sheriff Galtieri. Um, he, he actually helped co-create the Guardian program that we have instituted in our schools right now. The Guardian program was instituted after the Parkland shooting in Orlando, or Parkland, but just south of Orlando several years ago, 2017? Uh, sorry. So 2017, they created the Guardian program because we could not have enough law enforcement officers in our schools. It just isn't possible. There aren't enough law enforcement officers out there. We would have to have even more. So what is the alternative to that? The alternative is to train uh, citizens that step up and say, I want to train for this program. And so they're trained and they are civilians that are, uh, they wear a certain type of uniform and they are in every single school. And we have a certain amount based on the number of students that are in that school. Now, our current and past school boards were not excited about accepting this program. And per my meeting with Sheriff Galtieri, he was very frank. <laughs> he always is, actually. Um, he, he said that they, it took several meetings for them to institute the Guardian program in Pinellas County Schools. Our school board didn't want it. They didn't want more force in our schools. Force was the words they used. Galtieri finally convinced them that we have to have it. You have no choice. This is for the safety of our children. And so here we have it now. But we have the absolute bare minimum. Bare minimum of guardians in our schools. Not every school has a school resource officer. Not every school has a um, Pinellas, uh, yeah, Pinellas County School police officer in their school. So, and that's not the only way to protect our schools, but it's added protection. It's added defense. They're the eyes and ears. Their job is to constantly be moving around and observing anything that could be a threat to our children on school property. I told him that I believe we should have more, and he fully agreed. He said, as many people as we can get trained and put into our schools, that is the, most, the biggest deterrent that we can have against the potential for people to attack our schools. If they know that this school is full of five or six guardians and, and resource officers, we're going to go to a different one. We're going to go somewhere else and go, hopefully that doesn't happen. Of course, we don't want that to happen, but it's a deterrent. Everything's a deterrent. We need, we need to get rid of signs that say there are no guns on this premises. We need to say we have armed guardians protecting our schools. Now, for those of us who own guns and train on how to use firearms, the goal is to never, ever have to use it. You never actually want to use that on a person, ever. You train because, unfortunately, the potential is real. Um, but so hopefully that answers your question. Uh, oh, and I told him, I said, you get myself and Stephanie and Bronson on the school board, you will have more presence in the Guardian program because we know citizens who want to volunteer now and they've been told, no, we have enough already. We have teachers and administrators currently working. You wouldn't have to pay more. They, they're already there. They want to train and also be defenders of our children. So we have those citizens that want to do it. We have all of the, we have all the tools we need to do it. We just need a new school board that will take on that responsibility and say, go for it. That's good. Yeah. Who is it exactly that doesn't want armed protectors protecting our children? Got to answer that question. Just exactly who is it that doesn't want that? 
in our schools. So, any other questions? So no, that that's a really good thing, and and I think what I want to say to that is, um, I think we need to have partnerships. So the schools need to have partnership with others. I'd like for the school to focus on the general stuff, right? The education, the math, the science, the reading, the civics, the history, and I would like to see churches come in and I would like to you know that would be something that I would like to work on over the next four years is to creating those kind of partnerships because you know those kind of things that's really about discipleship right and and helping build those relationships and so that's a place where churches can um, step up that's a phenomenal the Royal Ranger program is a phenomenal program for the boys and of course they have a sister program girls club for the girls too so connecting students with these programs that are already running versus the school tried to come up and increase the already inflated budget that they have work on partnerships with other groups that are already doing those kind of things yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna add a little bit to that so debbie bushman for anyone who doesn't know she's running for pinellas county commission she actually works in the mentor coordinator program at pinellas county schools and a lot of people don't know that about her so she um, heads up, she's the liaison for anybody who wants to mentor for Pinellas County Schools. Okay. So I didn't know if I was missing something. Okay. So um, we have a lot of amazing, actually, programs put into effect. But the problem was when COVID came through, it shut all of that down. I was a certified mentor with Pinellas County Schools. We always need more mentors. We always need more people. And you can take, there's in-person and online courses to become a mentor. It doesn't cost anything. You do have to do a um, FBI background check because you're alone with a child. So, and you have to pay for that. I think it's like $60 and it lasts for four years. And uh, you are available to mentor that child. You can be anybody, anybody in our community can do this. It is free except for the fact that you had to pay for the background check. Our schools will, they will They'll swipe you up. They want you. And the thing is, the big lie is that most of our teachers want our children to have mentors and people within our community that want to give their time. And we've actually had partnerships with companies where they um, pay, gave their employees paid time to go mentor kids on a regular basis. But again, with COVID, that got shut down. So what we need to do, and this is something that I've talked about at other events, I actually want to re reignite that you know that message and get that word out to people to reintroduce our mentoring program because yes our kids need it in the mentor program um, that currently exists 
if uh, people from our congregation <clears throat> went through the training, were certified and became mentors, and uh, were in some kind of a situation uh, where they didn't support woke ideology or said something to the opposite, where does the school board stand? Are they, um, are they forcing mentors to have to support woke ideology or are we free to say what's real is real? As a mentor, you really, you really listen. As a mentor, you really listen more than you speak. So you, do, you can give advice. And when you go through that course, it actually explains that basically that simple principle. You're not there to put your ideas and idea. How ironic, actually. You're not there as a mentor to put your ideologies on these kids. But our schools can do it. That just occurred to me. Um, and I have heard a story here or there where somebody, a child, did not really like the messaging that was coming from their mentor. And so the parent actually asked for them to change mentors. And, and that has happened. I mean, sometimes people just don't click. And that's OK. But they can reassign you to another mentor. I would say, you know, just tread lightly, kind of build. You're building a relationship with a child. And just being positive, light, and just available for that child is, is the biggest thing that we can do for them out of the gate. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Everybody, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time, uh, staying extra long. And um, thank you, Dawn. Thank you, uh, Mr. O, I love, for now on. Bronson, thank you both. We really appreciate it. Back at the, amen, praise the Lord. Come on, let's show some appreciation. Back at the back table, um, Bronson and Dawn will be back there, and there's some materials. Kathy and I are going to snap up some for our front yard, and um, I hope you've been inspired with some ideas. Jesse?